Good morning. Will you turn in your Bible with me, please, to Acts chapter 6? Acts chapter 6. Well, it's a joy. My name is Stephen. I'm so blessed to be the pastor here and to see all that God is doing with us. Um, I need to give you a couple more announcements as we start. The first announcement is you may have noticed a bunch of cones out in the soccer field area, and we had a 30-inch water main pipe break. And yeah, crazy. And it, uh, it had so much water pressure that an area almost the size of the stage had bubbled up and was, you could, we found out because the third grade girls soccer team that was out there practicing was jumping on it like a trampoline. And it was like a waterbed. It was the whole thing was just going like this. So fun times, fun times there. So we may have some digging, praise God, it's not our water, you know, it's, but that's the subdivision water. They may shut off our water for a little bit. Hey, you know what? The Lord's good. He's good. Uh, that's getting fixed. But if you notice the cones out there, uh, they're still going to be practiced. Things are happening. But if you're on the mowing team, just avoid that area because you will get stuck. Um, but the Lord is good to us. I want to announce to you also that uh, despite all of our tries, we have been through almost a year process now with our roof. You notice tarps on there and then not on there because they've been ripped off and then new ones. Um, we've had lots of weird roof stuff. Uh, we went through our insurance and talked to them, and they said there was damage and gave us this in writing and had a, like a proposal. And then um, they came back and said there was no damage in writing and then decided to try to close the case. And then came back and said we were wrong the first time, but now we're changing it, and it's been a mess. So we went through a Missouri state arbitration process by, through the government to help us with that. The end result is that the Missouri state arbitrator told us you need to take this insurance company to court. And so I'm letting you know we are taking the insurance company to court um, despite every effort for a year of everything we could do to not do weird things. Um, to the point of even just saying, like, let's just fix the roof and we'll figure out what it is. But because it's taken so long now, there's more damage. And so it's become, it's become a, a giant challenge. So I'm letting you know that to be forthright with you, um, despite everything that as an eldership we could do to avoid it. And we'll keep you apprised. Also, um, the lawyer is a, is a guy that was highly recommended to us. He, this is the kind of law that he deals with, with churches in St. Louis. He's from uh, Hannibal area, so he's not from St. Louis, but kind of. And um, now lives in Texas, but he's working with us. And he has signed an agreement with us that if anything goes funny and it, we don't get a good outcome, he will not be paid anything. So I'm just letting you know that. So that's a blessing, other than a few expenses kind of thing. But there's no big fee for him. Um, because as far as we can tell, this case is open and shut. We shall see. <laughs> we shall see. But I want to be forthright with you that that's happening. Also, uh, in this last week, my, a tree fell down in my house. My entire sewage backed up four times and had to be replaced. Um, both of my vehicles, I have two vehicles, both of them got hit in parking lots, um, which is weird, right? That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, um, we have had lots of just weird, random things happening. And um, Lisa told me, you had to install Deacons. She was like, you had, to, you had to do it. You had to go and just be biblical. She's joking, of course. But I'm telling you right now, um, I, I really believe as we are aligning ourselves biblically to follow what the Lord has told us to do, uh, there is opposition. And so it's weird to have a 30-inch water main just randomly break on your property. That's weird. 
And also, as soon as I heard about it and saw the kids out there and came out and the water guy showed up, I just started laughing because I was like, that's the best you got, devil? It's the best you got right now, so water me. And so I'm telling you that because I want you to be in faith, and I'm not trying to spiritualize things that are happening, but I'm telling you, as we are walking toward Jesus, there is opposition, and there is things that will happen. And so, God forbid, if you have something weird happen in your house, laugh at the devil for a minute and then trust the Lord. Trust the Lord, because he's with us and he's good, and his justice and his righteousness and his peace and his gospel reign over all. Amen, Amen to that? Amen. And... We have deacons now, praise God. We're moved, the church is moving forward. It's awesome. This is a good day, a really good day. So praise God for that. Uh, one of the things I want to just point out today as we start, as a great day that we have, is that today is not only a great day because we're walking in the grace of God, which we see with the deacons and everything else, but also because we've seen the faithfulness from generation to generation of the Enlo family. And today is Gene's 87th birthday. And so let's give him a round of applause. We love you. Gene, we're for you. I, I can see on your face that you don't want me to say any of these things. But I want to tell you, we see your faithfulness. We love you. We know your heart, not only for the Lord, but for the church. We have seen you walk through difficult times and great times with poise and faithfulness and grace. You have been a constant friend. You have been a blessing and a, a foundation in the church. And so now here with, with Adam and with Eric and with generations represented, I want to tell you, we see all that you're doing. We see the Lord's hand on you, and we are blessed. Happy birthday to you. Amen. Happy birthday. We love you. Okay, one last quick announcement thing. First Corinthians Bible study, there's two options. First option when we start in September is Wednesday nights. If you cannot make the evening or you don't want to drive at night, then the Friday morning 10, 10 a.m. Bible study, uh, my dad is going to be running that, and it will be the same material. I say the same material. It will be the same passages. Um, it'll be the same passages. So you'll get the same Bible content, but we're going to take one hour on Wednesday night, and it's going to be awesome. And he's going to take two hours or whatever time the, he feels like until you need to leave, and the Lord will. So if you want to really dive in, then come to both. And it'll be great because they'll be slightly different. But if you want to dive in really a lot, Friday morning, awesome. But please come Wednesday nights. It's going to be a blessing to us. You don't have to come to both. It's the same material. And we're doing that because I know schedules are hard. We'll also have stuff online. But this is a, an important thing for us because our goal is not just to install deacons. But our goal is we want to be biblical. We want to follow what the Lord has told us to do. And so 1 Corinthians is a great book, but a lot of it, is regarding what the church is doing and instruction for the church. And so we need that together as we, as we dig into Scripture and see, do we line up with that? Or, Lord, help us so that we can line up with it. Because where our thinking is different than Scripture, we change our minds to what the Lord says. That's, that's the rule. Amen. Praise God for that. Um, as we start to look at Acts chapter 6 together, we're going to start looking at the diaconate, the deacons, we're going to look today in some depth about what they do. It's probably going to be a little different than you're expecting, but that's good. That's going to be a good thing. I want to start this way, which is a little different. I used to, when I was growing up, I remember one time I was coming into a church meeting, and we had a lot of people there. And I remember, like, in a political kind of way, I was probably 10 or something like that. 
And I remember walking out of the office and somebody said something to me to the effect of like, put on a smile, you're at church, like, here we go. You know, so you got to represent like you're like, so think of a politician yelling at his staff or her staff or whatever, and then coming in front of the cameras and immediately like, oh, hello, and kissing babies, right? So uh, as a 10-year-old, I wouldn't say I would be yelling at anybody, but I'm just saying that idea of you got to be something that you aren't for the public face. That's not true, first of all. But also in church, we have a, a mentality sometimes that when we come to the church meeting, we're supposed to take all of our bad stuff that's happening or all the things you thought about this morning or all the work concerns. Because let's be honest, the work concerns come up all the time, don't they? Life concerns come up all the time. And you're supposed to leave them at those doors or even better in the parking lot. Or the argument you had with your wife about the kids in the car on the way here, leave that in the parking lot and then come in and sit down. And the Bible never instructs us to do that. And one of the things that we have lost is that tithes and offerings are about the honor of the Lord Jesus. We give tithes and offerings because they glorify Jesus. We literally put our money where our mouth is. But something else that happens is, notice how the Lord integrates the work you do into the meeting. And he never says, leave this outside. Instead, he says, bring your work to the altar and everywhere I have blessed you, which also includes all of the difficult things to say, Lord, I need you. This is why we can confidently pray for students and teachers today and say, Lord, bless, bless the educators, bless the students as they work because the Lord blesses our work and he likes our work. In fact, he gave us six out of seven days to work because he's excited about that and a day to rest because he's also excited about that. But never do we have this idea of put all your work outside in the parking lot, be a different person when you come in. That's not true. Instead, come in with all that stuff, lay it at his feet, and then by his gospel and his peace, trust in him and walk out different because you're filled with confidence in Jesus. It's a better thing, isn't it? And I'm starting with that today because the deacon work, deacon is a word that means servant. It's, it's from a Greek word, diakonos, which the word translated into English means servant or to serve. And that word is all about work. And God loves working. And he started an office in the church, a, a leadership position in response to something that was happening because he wanted his work to continue. And that's a good thing. And so we're going to dive in today into Acts chapter 6, and we're going to look at a little bit of context here of what's happening in Acts so that we get an idea of what the Lord is, gonna, is doing with starting deacons. And our goal today is, Lord is to look to the Lord, how are we, as we align ourselves biblically in having deacons in our church, how are we understanding their role, how do they bless us, but how do we follow the example of Scripture to honor Jesus with our work alongside each other? That's our goal today. So what's happening here? In Acts chapter 1, Jesus has come back from the dead. He has risen. Uh, he spends a long time with witnesses and talking to people and seeing different people. And then in Acts chapter 1, he ascends back to heaven. So where is Jesus now? Seated at the right hand of the Father, he's in heaven. Now, here's an important thing. Jesus Christ, who's God forever, second person of the Trinity, took on flesh for us. He became a family member. He never takes it off. He doesn't stop being, he's a holy human and holy God at the same time. 
but he never stops being one of us. So uh, Hebrews says it this way, we have a guarantor of our salvation, a guarantor of the covenant that we have with God because he rose from the dead and there's a person in front of God the Father forever, Jesus, our older brother, who's the guarantee that as he rose, we will rise. As he's there, we get to be there. And beyond that, spiritually even, he seats us with himself in heavenly places. How incredible. How incredible is that? But Jesus physically goes to heaven. And he doesn't just go to heaven and like flitter around with a harp. You know, he doesn't get like a, a you know, Gibson Les Paul and just start playing his electric guitar. And he's like, this is a cool riff. That's, a lot of people think that's what heaven is. Just kind of play music and hang out. I don't know how, why we think that if I'm not good at guitar now, I'm going to be amazing at harp. You know? Maybe. The Lord's good. He's kind, isn't he? But that's not what happened. He's ruling the nations. He's reigning over all things. And he tells his disciples, stay here in Jerusalem because you're going to be filled with power. The counselor, the third person of the Trinity, you haven't fully met him yet, is coming and he's going to fill you up. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. There's a mighty rushing wind. There's fire over their heads. They're speaking languages that everybody can understand. It's amazing. God is demonstrating that he has filled a new temple a new place of worship in his people by his spirit. And the people, these are the disciples and others that are gathered with them, there's about 120, are doing incredible things. And the first thing they do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit is Peter stands up and preaches about Jesus, that he was crucified, he died, he ransomed us to God for, for, because of our sin, paid the penalty for sin, rose to life, he's ascended, he's the Lord, you need to believe in him. And that day, at least 3,000 people, probably more like 6,000 people, are added to the church as they believe. And suddenly, 120, exponentially 3,000 in one day. And in Acts chapter 3, they start going around and healing people and sharing stuff and they're blessing each other and they are... Uh, they are exhibiting what God's law says to say. So Jesus said, the law summarized is that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and that you would love your neighbor as yourself. And now people who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, with God's own presence, he himself fills them. The first thing they do is love the Lord with God with all their heart, soul, and strength, and they begin to love their neighbor as themselves. How do they do that? Do you remember? Anybody? Sharing stuff. They're selling fields that they have. They're doing all kinds of stuff. They're bringing the money to the apostles and laying at their feet and saying, let's make sure that nobody has debt. We want to help people. Is there anybody that we can serve? What can we do? They're bringing uh, sick people out to the apostles to be prayed for. They're ministering home to home. They're sharing meals together. They're doing all the things. And the community is so different that more people are coming to inquire about what God is doing and are getting saved by the testimony of the people. Jesus had said in John 17 that your love for one another would testify, would be a, a, a reason that people would understand that God had actually sent him, that Jesus came from the Father. The people would know that in the world by Christians' love for one another. And so as the Christians are loving one another, the Jewish people in particular are seeing this and they're convinced. Wow, Jesus really did come from the Father because what Jesus said was true. 
So that's what they're doing. In Acts chapter 4, there's opposition that comes, and the people are still helping each other and doing all these great things. In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira uh, try to fake God out. And they sell a piece of land, and they give some of the money, but they lie to everybody and say, look at us, we're so generous, we're, we're like everybody, we love everybody, look how much money we gave. And they lie about it because they want to keep some of the proceeds, but they want the reputation. And the Holy Spirit calls them out. And Peter, one of the apostles, says, how much did you sell that land for? I said, oh, it was this much, look, we gave all the money. And as soon as they lie about it, then the husband, Ananias, falls dead. Because he's lying to God. Not Peter. He's lying to the Holy Spirit. Scary. So they go to the wife. How much did you sell that land for? Oh, yeah. Because she had agreed. We're going to give some of the money. We'll look like we're generous. But we're actually going to keep a bunch. And so she lies about it. What happens to her? Falls dead. That's terrifying. And it brings a, a current of fear through the church. Because you don't mess with the Lord. They got too casual. Now, I'm telling us this because on the wake of that, in Acts chapter 5, a new problem begins. And God's solution, you know, isn't the Lord good that if you do something hypocritical, you don't just drop dead? Ananias and Sapphira were hypocrites. And the price for it was they dropped dead. Isn't the Lord kind that that doesn't happen to us? This is a whole other sermon. We'll, we can talk, we'll get coffee if you have questions about that. Acts chapter 6 then starts, and there's a new problem that's emerging. So let's read in Acts chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Now in those days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, Hellenists is a word that means the Greek, Greek believers, arose against the Hebrews because their widows, the Hellenist widows, were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Praise the Lord for his word. Now, this is going to be a little interactive because... Uh, I love preaching. I like teaching. But if we don't get this, we're going to miss a lot. So I, I want it to be a little interactive because we need, to get, we need to get the word so we can stand on it. What do you notice? No wrong answers here. What do you notice about this little passage that, that we just read? So I'm going to give us a quick summary. There's a problem. The Greek widows, uh, there's a distribution of food to the widows. Now, this comes back to the law. Remember, they're... They are doing the summary of the law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. One of the ways you love your neighbor is if there are orphans and widows who are vulnerable, we help them. And so every day there's a distribution of food to make sure that the widows are cared for. But the Greek widows are being overlooked. 
Now, this is, a, this is a, an important thing because the Jewish people are generally oppressed. To be a Greek person in this society is better than to be a Jewish person. You have more rights. And so there's a little current of sticking it to them because they're better off than we are. And they don't, we're not going to help them because they're fine kind of idea. What is that? It's racism. It's racism. That's what, at the end of the day. Choosing by, based on this person's skin color or where they're from or ethnicity, we're not going to serve them. We'll serve these other people. Now, this problem, notice how the Bible, how the Lord has shown this to us. What problem do we have right before this next chapter 5? Hypocrisy. And the Lord is not okay with it. So the expectation is people are about to drop dead. Right? Instead, something else happens. And God cares so much to be anti-racist. He cares so much that we have the first office of the church outside of the apostles themselves that is instituted for the good of the whole body. And that's the deacons. The Lord's response is massive. Instead of a one-time example with Ananias and Sapphira, who are hypocrites, instead now we have an enduring, everlasting in church history institution of the Lord's rule to change this problem. So the Lord cares a lot about this. A lot about it. So we do too, right? But what do you notice about this passage? Anything stand out to you now that you have that background? Anybody? I noticed that he picked not only um, Jews but Greeks. Yes. Seven. Yeah. Yeah, even somebody from Antioch. That's totally different. We're getting like all kind of people represented. Which so is the Christian religion Jewish? No, but it grow it grows out of the of the Hebrew faith, right? Because the Lord is the Lord forever, and He engrafts us into that. But now, Peter doesn't say we're going to solve the racism. Choose seven good Jewish people. He doesn't do that. Instead, look at the list that comes out. Amazing. the The names are not all one thing. Yeah, anybody else? Any other observations? This is the beginning of the beautiful picture of, um, of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the church. This is grace giftings mm -hmm. beginning to operate. Amen. So that pastors or apostles don't have to do everything, nor are they graced to do everything. That's right. But rather there are graced people that God brings to us that have the gift and we'll do a much better job. Yes. And so we let them function with great joy for the goodness of the church. Amen. Yeah, that's good. Did everybody hear that? That's good. Amen. Notice, too, what do the apostles say about this? It's not good that we what? That we, yeah, neglect, give up the preaching of the word of God to serve tables. That sounds kind of derogatory, doesn't it? A little bit, like, uh, we're above this. But that's not the heart of it. Instead, what Mike is saying is the heart. We, in other words, the Lord has given us this duty to do this. It's not good in the scope of the kingdom. Because if you want, think politician again. If you want people to think that you are really kind, you want to be serving the tables. You want to be the guy, oh, Peter is so generous. He's, he's the first up there all the time. You notice that, like, like politicians, God bless politics, not against politicians, let's be clear. 
But it's really funny when they visit a soup kitchen one time in the year, and they've got a million pictures of them serving soup one time. Okay, because they want, them, they want people to see, oh, this is, a, this is a person of the people. But God doesn't allow that for Peter. He says, you will not fall to that level. It's not good for you to wait tables because you need to do this for the body. It doesn't matter if that would make your publicity better. Oh, boy, well, that's touching some stuff there, isn't it? That's real, that's, you don't get to dive into politics like that. You're going to do this for me. Which persecution's about to come to the church? When that happens, it's going to get real fast. Real, really fast. And when that occurs, the, the apostles have to be in place to hold the people in the doctrine of what they're supposed to do because they cannot go wait the tables because the people are scattering. So then what do you do? Well, the Lord's establishing what the foundations look like. That's good. Any other observations here from this little passage? Well, you said something about uh, the seven were kind of diverse, including Hellenistic people. Uh, um, is this to say that uh, these seven is kind of a representation of opening it up, that it's not just Jewish, mm -hmm. it's not just Christian? Yeah. yeah. Specifically in leadership. So it's that the, one of the principles that we receive here from the Lord is you don't get to just choose based on what you think, you know, or what's comfortable to you. The Lord will choose. And it's good to everyone. So these are guys that are of good repute. Like these are, these are people that are, everybody's like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, kind of like Jeff and Jim. Um, how, are they, how are they installed? laid hands on them. So the apostles lay hands on them, so there's something special about that. That harkens back to Old Testament times when people were prayed for or anointed. Anointed means commissioned, basically, to do a job. And so there's an idea of authority has come through a leader into these people now. They're delegated. They are, there's an office. There's something that's supposed to happen. What is their main task? What's their main task that they're supposed to do? Serve, yeah, and specifically make sure, make sure the widows are fed. That's the problem that's being fixed here. And immediately the response is in verse 7, the word of God continued to increase. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests who were anti-Jesus before this become obedient to the faith. So the Lord blesses the church, because they are being positioned in the, play, in the way that he wants them to be positioned. That's interesting. And the leaders are not necessarily doing all the growth stuff. Instead, they're just functioning the way they're supposed to. Which means it's not the leaders, it's the people that are growing the faith. The church is, is moving forward. The church is growing the faith. Their example, their testimony, because they're functioning correctly in the way they're supposed to, which ultimately represents the kingdom of God. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right, so let's go on. Verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, that's Greek, and those from Cilicia and Asia 
rose up and disputed with Stephen. Let me pause right there. What's weird about that list? Stephen's job has been instituted by God to be anti-racism in the church. And a collection of international people are coming together to oppose him. That's weird. Led by the synagogue of the freedmen. So they're disputing with Stephen. Verse 10. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Wow. That's pretty cool. What happens to Stephen? He does. He becomes the first martyr of the church. Now, he's going to give an incredible, chapter 7, he's going to give an incredible speech, sermon, defense in court, in which he tells everyone the gospel. That's his defense. And in the end, the people pick up rocks to beat him to death with rocks all together. So the deacon whose job is anti-racism, unity in the church, is killed by the unity of those who are against him. That's weird. But in doing so, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand because Stephen becomes the first one who gives up his life for the kingdom. And he is welcomed in by Christ himself. Now, that's a, whole, that's a high thing, isn't it? And praise God we have not suffered persecution like this. I, I pray that we never will. But the reality is the opposition's always there. Small things like water mains, or big things like quartz and stones. But Stephen is doing incredible things. Notice here, Stephen, verse 8, full of grace and power, was doing what? Great wonders and signs among the people. What does that mean? Miracles. Church history recounts that Stephen rose someone from the dead. In fact, I, I read a, a dissertation one time of a guy who was a Greek-Hebrew scholar, and his name's Sinclair Ferguson. He's a wonderful Scottish theologian. And he had a, a whole thesis on uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, because the Apostle Paul is the one who oversees his execution before he gets saved. His name's Saul at the time. And his, uh, his whole dissertation is on Paul, who says in one of the books, I think it's Galatians, he says, the one sin that has killed me. Is that Romans? The sin that, the sin that got me, if you will. I've, been, I've followed the law, I'm doing great, but the sin that got me was coveting. And he traces through church history where Paul was and where he grew up and basically is showing a case that the, uh, the Apostle Paul, in all of his vigor to serve God and be a good Jewish person, can never measure up to Stephen. And so out of a covetous spirit, because God is actually using him, he oversees the stoning of Stephen because God never uses Paul in this time of his life like he uses Stephen, who's a nobody. And so I'm telling you this because 
there's great opposition, there's things happening, but Stephen is not just vacuuming the floor. He's not just stacking chairs. He's not over the building fund for expansion. He's not, get ready for this one, it never even mentions serving the widows. It's assumed because he's faithful and he's doing it. But notice the very first example we have of a faithful deacon is Stephen. The rest of the deacons are basically never mentioned again. And the Bible doesn't give any formula. There's no handbook that says from the Bible, this is what deacons do. They will meet 20 minutes in prayer. Then after that, they will consider the cares of the church. Then assign them each a widow. There's no, it's none of that. Instead, what we get is an example, and the example is Stephen. And Stephen doesn't even feed the widows. What does he do? Signs and wonders. Who are the only other people doing signs and wonders? The apostles, Jesus himself. But now, it's regular people. And yes, a deacon, but remember, that they're not. He's not a trained priest. He's not. He's just a guy named Stephen that people were like, yeah, he's got a good reputation. And he is full of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, who's ruling the nations, stands at his throne on account of this man's faithfulness. That's mind-boggling. And so Stephen, as he's serving the kingdom, is serving the widows. Amen. It's assumed, again, like I said. But the reality here is Stephen has other things that he's doing. So what do deacons really do? The first thing that they do is they are instituted to bring unity where there's fracturing in the church. The Hellenist believers are like, this is unjust. This is not right. Look at these things that are happening. And the church is breaking apart, which means the testimony of Christ is at stake. Because the unity of the body together, remember, as they're sharing things in common, they're living the law of God. And it demonstrates to the whole community, this is the kingdom. This is the king you should follow. And when that gets broken up by racism, the Lord's fix is he will have none of that. He will institute new leaders who will stand on the ground in his place to bring the people back together to ensure that everyone is cared for and loved well, to serve the body, to lead them into that same unity that God has called them to. And that unity rests on justice. That justice will happen. We will not allow racism to affect this body. That's the deacon. How incredible. So the first thing they do is they bring unity in the body through justice. That's great. And they do that in service. The second thing they do is they defend the very testimony of Jesus Christ. How do they do that? They do that in the unity of the body. They also do that because as they are defending the testimony of Christ, they are proclaiming his word. They're living it out. They're demonstrating by who they are, who Christ is, and what people are supposed to do. In other words, the problem was not just racism. Racism was the, the biggest symptom of the problem. And God hates it and is against it. The biggest problem is we have a people here who are following the law from the heart filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing things in common, helping each other. That doesn't mean, by the way, that they become socialist or communist. They're selling the fields they own and bringing the money and helping each other. In fact, when Ananias and Sapphira die because of their hypocrisy, 
Peter tells them, you could have done anything you wanted with the money. It wasn't the money that was the problem. The problem was you told everybody that you were following Jesus and you were pretending to be holy and borrowing his holiness. And look how good we are. And in fact, your heart was torn and the money, you loved it more than you loved his testimony. And for that, they die. Wow. It's not the money. And so here are the people who love God's testimony. They love God's people. They love each other. They don't love money so much. And so they're sharing and they're helping each other and they're building each other up and they're running godly businesses and they're, they're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. They're bringing their work to the altar to say, Lord, this is for you. It's changing the community. People are getting added every day. And then some of the people are saying, except for you stinking Hellenists. You already got what you're fine. You don't need, you're widows. You can take care of them with your riches because we're the ones getting oppressed over here. So forget you guys. We don't need to give them anything. You know what, guys? Let's not give them. Just you feel what it's like to walk in our shoes for a while. And the Lord immediately says, no, 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 no. That attitude is not from me. We're going to deal with it. How shall we deal with it? We'll institute new leaders. And these leaders will take the people by the hand and walk them forward and say, follow my example. We're not going to let this stand. We're going to press into what God says. And they're engaging from the heart. The law of God lived out. The testimony of Christ through service and through word and deed and miracles. Wow. It's cool. If God expects that of deacons, what do you think he expects of the people that are following the deacons? Jesus said you'll do even more than these things. The Lord does not just give deacons power because they're deacons. He gives Christians power because you belong to him. And he institutes deacons and elders to help guide us as we demonstrate his kingdom and live out what it means to be his. And so the testimony of Christ, when it is at, in peril, the Lord institutes deacons who are not just preserving the unity of the body, but they are preserving the Lord's testimony by their example. The last thing that happens is as the deacons are doing good works in the congregation and faithfully following what is happening, they are modeling an example for which the people can live. In other words, where are the apostles? Where are they? Are they on the ground? Are they serving the tables? No, they're teaching because that's their role. Now notice, they're teaching and not being served because sometimes there's this mentality that like they have tenure. And they're supposed to, you know, they don't have to stack the chairs anymore. Like, that's, they're above that. That's not at all what the Bible says. They're still serving and doing things, but they're dedicating their time to a specific role. But as they're doing that, they're telling the people, this is what the word says. This is what the testimony looks like. And then the people say, thank you for that. What do we do? And the Lord gave deacons who internalize the word of God and model for the people through their testimony this is what it looks like to live out the Lord's law. And suddenly now, the body's functioning in a very different way because we're not just getting teaching and then not doing it. We're getting teaching and putting it to hands and feet where all of a sudden we can, hey, follow me. We're going we're gonna to help this, this Greek widow here. Let's, we're going to cut her lawn. And after we cut her lawn, we're going to pull the weeds and we're going to make sure she has bread. And then we're going to listen to her for two hours and she's going to tell us about all of the special platters that she has collected because we just want to give her some time and we're going to pray for her and then we're going to go 
and that's going to be our day. And people are like, okay. And what happens? You live out the Lord's care. Isn't it, it always shocks me sometimes that the Lord would call us to be the answer to somebody's prayer. He would call us to be the answer to somebody's prayer. You know, somebody's praying, Lord, I am lonely. Help me. Send me somebody. And then you move in. How incredible is that? It shocks me sometimes that every once in a while the Lord will answer no to your prayer in order to bless somebody else. You ever think about that? Lord, I want this job. I want this thing. Give it to me. Then I'll know you love me. And the Lord says, I do love you. And I'm telling you no. Because I want your sister to be there. Because I love her too. And you're going to love her by having a good attitude when I tell you no. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? It's like when it's your brother's turn on the Xbox. Ugh. You got to just watch him. It's the worst. But this is what the Lord, he loves us. And we're his children together. It's real, isn't it? And God gives us good older brothers, deacons, who serve in the church, who, who are tireless in their love for Jesus and following his testimony and testifying to him by how they live. Deacons aren't perfect. They're just people, but they're filled and authorized by God, delegated by God to serve him this way. Now notice, serving the widows is really important. But what are, if the qualifications of the deacon are unity of the body through justice, preserving the Lord's testimony in the community, preserving the Lord's law modeled out in the body, that doesn't give so much room for just getting relegated to little tasks. And I'm saying this because our culture, what do we want deacons to do in our culture, in the U.S. American culture? Most churches come here. Deacons are going to greet people. They're going to clean up after people. They're going to hand me my coffee. I'm going to feel very served. If I have any financial need, I'll put in my application, and they're going to help me with it. And then I will leave, and they will clean up. It's the McDonald's model. And I'm saying that because there's a difference between being a participator in the mission and being a consumer in the mission. And the reality is the Bible's thrust, the Bible's message, the Bible's word here is Jesus Christ's testimony is more important. That's the number one thing that's exemplified here. Jesus Christ ruling and reigning, what does his kingdom look like? That is number one. Number two is you get to serve him. And if you're not sure what to do, follow one of these guys, and they'll show you. And suddenly the body's doing stuff together and serving people and helping, and, and it's way beyond just vacuuming the floor. Right? And so I'm saying that to you because you're going to say, well, what are the jobs of the deacons? And I will say, to deacon. Well, but, but what's their role? To be the deacon. But, okay, but, like, where do I put my application? Call them. You know, and I, now, we'll have processes and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, if our mindset is, Jim Moss does this, and that's all he does. That's not what God did with Stephen. The model that God shows us is, Stephen is going to serve the widows, and he'll do all this. And then the body grows because they're 
working in the places that the Lord has anointed and gifted them, which might be a little different than I think or you think. So I met with Jim and with Jeff, and we sat down. We were talking about what, what are we going to do? What are the specifics? And we said, I've got uh, lots of ideas. You pray. Let's see what the Lord puts on your heart. Where will this go? What does that look like? And I'm saying that because of what Mike said earlier. This is the first example you have of the gracing, the gifting that God puts in people, the talents that he puts in us, the abilities, the, the desires, where suddenly things come out of the body and it's not just programmed all the time. Now, programs are good. They're helpful, aren't they? So I'm not, I'm not against programs. Don't get me wrong. But I am saying I'm more for people, more for discipleship, more for Jesus than just getting the program right. That also feels a little unsure. Because then you're like, well, we've had deacons for one week, and I can't see anything they've done yet. <laughs> That's, this is real, isn't it? It's the McDonald's mentality. Instead to say, yes, they are. The unity of the body is coming together. We're watching. We're, we're intentionally looking at justice and what is God doing? Where can we serve? What does that look like? How do we model the law? How do we bring people together? How do we make sure that we're not getting ourselves caught up in other places that God hasn't gifted us to do? But there's, there's need. And the need is not just, oh, man, we need teachers for Sunday school. You know what? We do need teachers for, for Sunday school. But do you know why? Because God has graced us with kids to fill them with the word of God so that they are ready that when God calls them, they move on it. That's it. And that's very different than phew, so hard having kids in the meeting. We just got to get them back there. We don't, we, that, we don't need that. We need to do what God's called us to do. It's different, isn't it? Why do we have coffee? Why do you think we have coffee? Fellowship? Sure. Because other churches do? Why do you think we have coffee? Really, I'm, I'm asking. What do you think? Everybody's so quiet. I'm not trying to be confrontational. I'm asking you. Here's why. Ready? Because when we come here, we're going to fill each other up with the word of God. And having a moment to sit down, it disarms people. It doesn't just serve our visitors or guests. It's, it's, it's life lived out. And that's important to us. So, then, so Christians do a wonderful job making coffee for us, being a blessing, having it ready so that when we come here, there's not just this, got to get here, find my seat, and we're going to worship, and then we go. Instead, we're going to come, we want to be in each other's lives, and we want to stand together, and we want to know what's happening with you, how can I pray with you, and what does this look like, and, and I want to serve you. And, and here we have all these opportunities for that through something like bean water. It's amazing. <laughs> but I'm using that because here's, this, is, this is how God's growing us. And what we're doing with little things, and then faithful and little, guess what? Faithful and much. Yeah. Amen to that? Okay, so what's the lesson today? Here's the lesson today. How has God blessed our church with deacons? He's blessed us with models. Models and leaders who are given authority to speak into our lives, to lead us, to take us by the hand and say, we're going this way. In their gifting so that we can better represent Jesus and we can be closer to him, to him in everything we do. Why do we have deacons? Because Jesus told us, told the church, the answer to disunity, to any of these problems, deacons. And so we think, praise God, we have not had a giant problem that's caused us to say, Lord, what's the solution? Instead, we're saying, 
if we're not operating the way God told us to, how can we expect to be blessed and move forward? And so this office is so important to us because this is where, this is the transmission that moves us forward from just learning the word into living the word. Amen to that? It's good. Let me pray for you. Will you stand? Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Lord, thank you for our culture. Thank you for putting us in America. Thank you, Lord, that we are here. And Lord, we also, in you, rest ourselves in you, Father, to say, Lord, we realize that we are the product sometimes, not of your word impacting our life, but of our own preconceived ideas. Where our minds have been different, change us, Lord, to acknowledge, to embrace, and to live your word. Father, thank you for Jeff, and thank you for Jim, and thank you that we have deacons in our body. Thank you that we have deacons in our midst. Lord, bless them, we pray, as they move forward, Lord, in their gifting. Bless all of us, Lord, as you have gifted us, that we would operate the way you've called us to. Help us, Lord, to embrace your law from our hearts, that we would demonstrate your kingdom in our businesses, in our families, in our our love for each other here. Thank you, Lord, for coffee. Thank you that we can have a moment to just rest in you and see your goodness. And Lord, I pray that you would bless our work, our work for you and our work for, for all that you have called us to. Lord, whether it's in the church or outside the church, Lord, all of it belongs to you. And so, Lord, any person who's here who has come this morning to bring their tithe and who feels the weight of all the things from the week, Lord, I ask you, God, that you would bring deliverance. Lord, use us to be the answer to prayer. Lord, I pray for every person who's excited about work that you would continue to breathe on that, Lord, that we wouldn't just work to have have vacations or work for retirement, but instead we work for your glory. Lord, let us honor you in all that we do. We praise you and we thank you for faithful models, for faithful officers that you've called to us. Lord, help us, Lord, as we serve you to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bless everyone here, I pray. May you know the call of the Father. May you know the rule of the Son who is seated at the right hand. And may you know the power of the Holy Spirit who has filled you and gifted you to serve the kingdom. God bless you and have a great day. Amen. 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 Thank you all. Have a great day.